Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Our sermon text this morning comes from the Gospel of John. It is the fourth chapter. We're going to take a look at verses 5 through 42. Again, this is the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. 
So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do not say, For months more, then comes the harvest. But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves. And we know that this is truly the savior of the world. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. My friends, last week I mentioned that in looking at the gospel text for this month of March, a pattern seemed to form. Each reading brought us into the orbit of four particular people. A smart man, a thirsty woman, a blind beggar, a grieving sister. Each reading features a specific individual who was encountered by Jesus. Each reading presents us with an individual that was changed by Jesus. They all lived in times and places far from ours, but we share so much with them. After all, we are smart, and we are thirsty, and we are about many things blind, and we grieve. Last week, we talked about the smart man, Nicodemus, and how the smartest thing he ever did was to stop talking and start listening to Jesus. Because what Jesus was telling him had the potential not only to change him, but to change us as well. That God loves each of us so much that he sent his only son so that we may, through belief in him, live abundant lives on both this and the other side of paradise. The text this week centers around the thirsty woman. She came to the well with a thirst for literal water, but that was not all. Her conversation with Jesus revealed her thirst extended well beyond basic physical needs to those which were more profound and eternal. There are a few similarities between the reading of last week about Nicodemus and the reading this week about the woman at the well. At the heart of each story is a conversation between them and Jesus. That conversation is one that bewilders and confuses them. Nicodemus doesn't quite understand what being born again of the Spirit means, and the woman at the well seems confused by what living water means. There are also differences. Nicodemus came to Jesus in the middle of the night because he didn't want to be seen by anyone visiting Jesus, and the woman at the well encountered Jesus at noon because she didn't want to be seen by anyone, period. Nicodemus was a man of wealth, education, and status. The woman at the well was poor, uneducated, and had no status. And yet what I want all of us to see this morning and something that I want us to find great comfort in are how these differences still have one thing in common. Both of them 
stood in need of God's grace, and Jesus was willing to give it to each of them. If we see one common thread running through last week and this week, it is this. The world of sinners loved by God includes not just respectable insiders seeking truth like Nicodemus, but also broken outsiders running from the truth like this woman. None of us, none of us are beyond the need of God's grace and none of us are beyond the reach of God's grace. Let me say that again. None of us are beyond the need of God's grace and none of us are beyond the reach of God's grace. Jesus has come, friends, to seek both the found, that is, those that presume they already have a relationship with God, and also the lost, those who realize that they don't. God's grace covers all of us, no matter who we are, where we are, or what we are. We can take great comfort in that. Or to borrow a verse from one of our most favorite hymns, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Anybody know what hymn that's from? Joy to the World, number 246 in our hymn. But let's turn our focus to the woman at the well, shall we? As it turns out, friends, she was neither ignorant of nor uninterested in matters of theological and spiritual significance. This thirsty woman came to the well that day looking for water, but Jesus offered her much more. Living water, he called. He does not spell out the details here, but in this case, it seems to have included a gracious mix of forgiveness, community, and restoration. Forgiveness, community, and restoration. What do you thirst for? Those who thirst experience discomfort for lack of something needed. I know that we try to impress on the young men and women running track their need to stay hydrated, to drink water all throughout the day because we don't want them to be lacking when it comes time for practice or time for a meet. If we could have asked this woman to name what she was thirsting for before she went to the well that day, water would have only been the beginning. Her checkered past and lonely present revealed a thirst for a more hopeful future. What about you? Yeah, physical thirst is a human constant, but that is only the beginning for us, friends. What do you thirst for? Some of us may thirst for more meaningful work or more substantial pay. Others thirst for a deeper relationship with someone, deeper relationships with anyone, or any kind of a relationship at all. Still others thirst for a break from the grind, freedom from the past, or justice in the present. God does not promise to quench all of those thirsts, friends, not in the way we imagine at least, but he does promise us living water, and not just to the thirsty woman in our text. If we keep on reading, we get to John chapter 7 where Jesus says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That time he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. After his suffering and death, the risen and ascended Messiah would send his own spirit to become a thirst-quenching source of life for all who believe. Not just Jews, not just Samaritans, but friends, all of us. 
But first we have to understand this, is that the gospel is bad news before it is good news. It's bad news before it is good news. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, listen to this from my study Bible. It says, the living water of grace is only sweet to those who know the bitter taste of their sin. Whether this woman literally has gone through several marriages or was just given over to a life of promiscuity and the specifics make no difference, she needed what Jesus alone can give. She had been a poor steward of her thirst, a thirst only Jesus can satisfy. She had spent most of her life running to broken cisterns that hold no water. This is a reference to Jeremiah 22, rather, uh, verse 13. And now she is offered the only water that will satisfy her and me and you, the grace of the gospel. The only water that will satisfy her and me and you, the grace of the gospel. J.C. Ryle writes this, he says, Thousands of men have every temporal good thing that the heart could wish and yet are weary and dissatisfied. Riches and rank and place and power and learning and amusements are utterly unable to fill the soul. He that only drinks of these waters is sure to thirst again. What about you? Is what is important to you, is what you thirst after, would it be considered riches and rank and place and power and amusements? What do you thirst for? And how do you try to satisfy it? Fulton Sheen was an American Catholic bishop, and he wrote, all the human satisfactions of the cravings of the body have one defect, they do not satisfy forever. They only serve to deaden the present want, but they never extinguish it. The want always revives again. You know, by nature, it seems we are allergic to grace. We resist it. Like this woman, we look for ways to avoid Jesus. Has that been true for you? From one of my commentaries, it says, the woman at the well turned Jesus' pursuit of her heart into an evasive conversation about different perspectives on worship. In his mercy, Jesus met her right there. For ultimately, all of life is about worship. To what or whom do we give the attention, affection, and adoration which rightfully belongs to God? We can make idols out of anything, relationships, religion, anything. But even changing the subject to worship puts Jesus once more in the spotlight for he himself is the only one worthy of our worship. What do you thirst for? How do you satisfy it? What is the object of your worship? See, when you arrived here this morning for worship, you came into that door thirsty. You may not know exactly what you were thirsting for, but I'm certain that you lack something you need. You may not explicitly thirst for forgiveness, but you need it as much as I do. You may not name community as something that you need, but all of us need brothers and sisters to love and support us. You may not use the word restoration, but all of us deep down thirst for things to be made new and right. 
Friends, Jesus stands at the ready, prepared to satisfy what we thirst for and to give mercies to careless sinners like you and me. Again, from one of my commentaries, it says, the infinite willingness of Christ to receive sinners is a golden truth which ought to be treasured up in our hearts and diligently impressed on others. The Lord Jesus is far more ready to hear than we are to pray and far more ready to give favors than we are to ask for them. All day long, he stretches out his hands to the disobedient and gainsaying. He has thoughts of pity and compassion toward the vilest of sinners, even when they have no thoughts of him. He stands waiting to bestow mercy and grace on the worst and most unworthy if they will only cry to him. He will never draw back from that well-known promise, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. There is no heart satisfaction in this world until we believe in Christ. Jesus alone can fill up the empty places of our inward lives. Jesus alone can give solid, lasting, enduring happiness. The peace that he imparts is a fountain which once set flowing within the soul flows on to all eternity. Friends, whatever your life is or may have been, there is hope and remedy for you in Christ. If you are only willing to hear Christ's voice and follow him, he is ready to receive you at once as a friend and bestow on you the fullest measure of mercy and grace. The woman at the well, the penitent thief we talked about last week, we Zacchaeus are all patterns of Christ's readiness to show mercy and to confer full and immediate pardon. It is in his glory as the great physician that he is, that he will undertake to cure those who are apparently incurable and that none of us, none of us, friends, are too bad for him to love and heal. Let that sink down into your heart. Whatever else there may be that we doubt, let us never, never doubt that Christ's love to sinners passes all knowledge, and that Christ is as willing to receive as he is almighty to save. The woman in our text probably did not expect much from her trip to the well that day, but Jesus did. Jesus planned to meet her there. Jesus planned to quench her thirst by providing her forgiveness and community and restoration. And friend, he offers that same thing to us this week. We may have been up to right now careless and thoughtless and as sinful as this woman in the story we've been reading about. But yet there is hope. The one who talked with this Samaritan woman at the well is at this very moment living at God's right hand, and he never changes. And all we have to do, friends, is to ask, to ask, and he will give us this living water. What do you thirst for? How do you try to satisfy it? What is the object of your worship? One last thing. I read this week that the gospel comes to us in order that it might run through us. Yeah? The gospel comes to us in order that it might run through us. Having believed in Jesus, this woman at the well went back to her community 
to share the good news with her family and friends. And in doing so, she gives all of us an example of what good testimony looks like. Jesus is the hero of her story. She drew attention to the one who exposed her sin and gave her life. And in doing so, she invited her friends to do the same. Yes, friends, the gospel is personal, but it is never private. Which are we more talkative about? The weather, our hobbies, our politics, or our Savior? Let today be the day when we are honest about what we thirst for. Let today be the day when we are honest with ourselves about how we are trying to satisfy that thirst. And then let today be the day when we are brave enough, like the woman at the well, to say to Jesus, give me this living water so that I may never be thirsty again. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.